0: Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator, and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. I have been looking forward to this one because this one speaks to my soul when I tell you. Okay, so if you know anything about me, I have always been a questioner of authority. I have been a disruptor. I have been the one that's going to push the envelope and ask, well, wait a minute, why are we doing it this way? Or the real question, if I say, help me understand, We're going down a whole different path. So, today we are going to talk about how do you do this in diversity, equity, and inclusion? How do you get into good trouble? And so, my guest today is Danette Bowie, who is the founder of Thrive Limitlessly. All right, Danny, welcome to the show. I'm just thrilled to have you so we can jump into this conversation.
1: Yes, I am super excited to be here and I'm super excited about our topic and let's get into some good trouble. Yes, I love it. I
0: love it. So for those who may not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about Danny and the work that you do at Thrive Limitlessly?
1: Absolutely. Uh, So, Thrive Limitlessly was founded a couple of years ago, and it actually is a two-line-of-business uh, business. So I actually help people who are thinking about making a career transition uh, from like education, nonprofit, government um, into the tech or corporate sector. Um, and then also I support uh, businesses, uh, tech startups, um, educational institutions who are also interested in investing and in starting their DEI team, uh, starting their strategy, helping them think about, you know, what does good trouble and the work actually looks like and helping them to uh, envision DEI uh, in their cultures. And so super excited to be here and just talk about this work.
0: I love it. So let's talk about good trouble, right? So, you know, um, our, our now ancestor, John Lewis, was famous for this phrase of, you know, it's time to get into good trouble. It's time to get into necessary good trouble. And it's one that the first time I heard it some years back, I was just like, yeah, that, that's, that's yeah, <laughs> what he said, right? Yeah. Um, because it's, it's not just getting into trouble for trouble's sake. It is yes. trouble with a purpose. It's pushing mm-hmm. the envelope, right? And really trying to um, call to action mm-hmm. things that... Need to be moved, right? Need to be changed, laws, shifted, policies, procedures, all of those things. So when you talk about good trouble, like what, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's standing up for what you believe in to inspire change, change of policies, change of systems, like the hiring system, the education system, the criminal system. Like To me, I think, like you said, it's asking those tough questions or asking things that people are probably thinking about but afraid to actually ask. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when people are good stewards of trouble um, and good trouble, I think that that's the line of thinking that I have. It's pushing the bounds, right, of people's limitations, even around inclusion and belonging work. Um, It's pushing people into areas where they might feel a little bit discomfort um, with. And so to me, I think as a DEI practitioner and having worked at several tech companies and education institutions, I've always had that line of thinking of, why are we taking, you know, the easy way, right? Like there are so many other things and, 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 processes and people that are being impacted or not even being considered as part of this conversation. And so that's always really been my line of thinking.
0: You know, and I I truly ascribe to that. But one of the challenges um, that comes with Good Trouble, particularly in diversity and inclusion, is you have so many leaders, and I'm going to do that with air quotes, that Um, believe the status quo is the way, like we've always done it this way. So this is the way that we need to continue to do it. And Mm -hmm. when you push against that or you question the status quo, you're then seen as, as I started at the top, a disruptor, you know, you don't respect authority, all Mm -hmm. the other things that I've been told about myself, right? Um, And so how do you do that in a system that isn't trying to change?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think deep relationships and DEI work is so important. Um, I think you can shout to the rooftop. um, And I think it's, you know, and I think people will look at you not that they will listen or hear what you're saying, but I think the the, the, the variable is the relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And I think as part of creating that relationship, it's important to like understand what their aspirations are, what their goals are, and how you might be able to, as a DI practitioner, integrate into existing work streams and what is important to them. I also think it's about like understanding what might be blind spots for this person or what are areas that maybe make this person uncomfortable. Is it talking about the Black and brown? people on their team? Is it talking about uh, some of the um, systematic things that's happening on the team, looking at attrition, hiring, like what makes this person uncomfortable? And you kind of being that source of truth and you helping them to kind of like understand um, just their shortcomings, helping them understand, you know, what might they might be able to do um, to continue to advance change? What does that look like? And sometimes they just want you to show up and tell them what to do, right? So I think- understanding that leader and 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 the dynamic um and if they want you to tell them what to do or if they're going to be an actual thought partner and you all kind of come up with a plan of action together and so i do think you know and i've kind of been questioning myself too like do i have an issue with authority like what 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 is it about me that continues to like maybe get me in a little bit of trouble um and i think it's about like just speaking my mind and like asking the tough questions and asking the questions that or things that were probably all thinking about, but not saying. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. So I do think it's about deep relationships in our work. You know, and I think it's so important that you pointed that out because, as you were saying, that what that made me think about is the relationships with our allies and accomplices. Yes. Right, because not everyone that calls themselves an ally is an ally. Right. Right, and no one, not everyone that is an ac- says they're an accomplice is actually an accomplice. And so, how do you? Um, get your message through to these folks where they can amplify it right mm-hmm. in places and spaces where you can't and they won't get in trouble for saying these things that you say right so how do you kind of feed yeah. that information you know into them because I you know I've been in a situation where um, I was, speaking up and saying these mm-hmm. are the things that are happening and like hey mm-hmm. let me pull you over aside for a second because this is how you're showing up or this yeah. is how this is showing up and then mm-hmm. the next thing i know i'm being called the bully
1: yep mhm mm-hmm. or the master manipulator <laughs> Yes. all all
0: the things right, right. The- and i was just like okay so have you ever met like i'm farthest yeah. thing from a bully yeah but when i realized that was that person's insecurity yeah. That was that person's fear of actually being exposed for not knowing what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. um, That's when all of that started to kind of come out. Right. Yeah. And so, again, it goes back to those relationships and understanding who are your true allies, who are the true accomplices in yeah. this work, who is willing to risk something right to be, get into good trouble, mm-hmm. um on behalf of you and the greater cause. Right. Right. Yes. Like that I think is, is such a key point mm-hmm. in this. And mm-hmm. the other thing that um, you said, and it just made me really think about was it's a phrase that I've been using a lot lately, <laughs> which has been, how do you sneak in the vegetables? <laughs> right. Like, how do I get you to do this thing? And you not even realize that you're doing this thing or you taking it all in. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, that's been another way that I've been kind of getting into good trouble mm-hmm. is I'm going to teach you about this. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it, I'm sneaking in some of these diversity and inclusion vegetables. Yes. yes. Right? We're getting some broccoli and we're getting some Brussels sprouts and we're yes. getting some carrots in here, year. And you it. just think it's a wonderful, beautiful dish. Right. That's nourishing to your soul.
1: I love it. I love it. And some ways that I've actually gone about like adding in the vegetables, um, so to speak, is putting on inclusion talks, right? Like help arming people with the information, right? Leveraging my employee resource group leads, right? Helping them to understand what the engagement data is saying and Mm -hmm. what does the belonging index look like, right? What are the themes, right? That continue to show up year over year, right? As it relates to diversity, equity, equity, inclusion and belonging. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are our hiring rates, right? Are companies uh, uh, publicly sharing their data and information If so, how do we compare to companies who are larger, smaller, or similar size? Um, And so I think it's important, like you said, to kind of like just drop some nuggets here and there Mm -hmm. and kind of let people simmer on it and ask questions. And that's how I've been able to find my allies. That's how I've been able to find my change agents. That's how I've been able to find my DEI culture champions through work like that, right? And helping to disarm them with the information. Um, And that's how I'm able to quickly identify who's with me, right? And who's also going to speak at the table, right, on behalf of the greater good and, and, and go from there.
0: I love it. I mean, it, it definitely is like, how do you infuse it into to those folks? And when you spoke about data, you know, one of the things that I always say is like, are we disaggregating this data, yeah. right? Are, where, where are we really looking? Because if we're saying, oh, our diversity numbers are up, let's disaggregate that. What's really up? Right. Right. And then what are you hiding in the, in the midst of everything else? And so what I found was when I found those change agents and champions, that were at the tables, Mm -hmm. I would feed them those types of questions so that they were then asking, oh, well, let's disaggregate this data. Mm -hmm. What does this look like for this particular group? Mm -hmm. And I'd sit over in the corner like, that's Mm -hmm. a good question. Right, Right. right. One
1: hundred percent. And then like like you said, like diversity, right? And who we're actually targeting or who we are looking to serve or identify, like that looks different for each company based on the makeup. And so I do think that it's important for companies to understand who is the target, right, of our DEI efforts in our work. And so, for example, some of the companies that I've worked at, they specifically, especially over the pandemic and all the things that have been happening with layoffs and companies and, you know, companies making public statements, during, you know, social unrest with uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, I think that a lot of companies specifically honed in on Black and Latinx um, mm-hmm. populations. And so I do think that it's important for us to look at those populations, look at the hiring of those populations, look at the promotion rates, look at their engagement scores, uh, look at their, their attrition, right? And, and themes around what's causing them to leave companies. Because we know people don't leave companies, they leave managers, right? And so yeah. it's a part of like figuring out what's going on within certain teams that have high attrition rates. Um, And so, you know, these are the types of, you know, when I look at data, this is what I look at. And this is what I go into quarterly business reviews with my executive leaders to talk about. I talk about the things that they, you know, that are probably uncomfortable um, because it's essentially us telling them that, hey, the makeup of your organization, right, there's an opportunity here, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, they have, you know, things that they need to do around, you know, execution, meeting, you know. Uh, uh, investors, right, their demands. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of different things that are pulling at them. And so part of my work is trying to help them understand the importance of DEI and why this work is important and meaningful and how I need them to show
0: up um, in this work and to help. You know what, what, what I love about that is it's this constant push, Right. You know, when you're saying you're going into these quarterly business reviews, you're not just showing up for one and then, okay, that's good for the year. Mm -hmm. Like it's this constant um, push. And I think the other part of that, too, that you touched on is, you know, yes, for the last three to four years, actually two to three years, the focus has been on, you know, black and Latinx communities. And I think where a lot of organizations um, fall short is we go to extremes, yes, right? So it's okay. We have we can like very short attention spans. So <laughs> we want to focus over here right now, but we're going to forget our Native American population, or we're mm-hmm. going to forget the LGBTQ plus population, mm-hmm. or we're going to forget our women. And it's like there's there's a such thing as intersectionality. I know it's a bad word in certain states right now, mm-hmm. but there are intersectional identities. And so when you look at your efforts holistically, right, and you're looking at these numbers at these intersections as well, mm-hmm. no one's going to feel like you dropped the ball on their issue because it's not the flavor of the day.
1: Right. Yeah, Or right. their flavor of the month, right? With- right. Right because we also tend to over index on programming on initiatives when it's prime month when it's black history month when it's women history month right and it continues to be a cadence right every year yeah. when these things or 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 when initiatives become visible right to executive leaders right because there's teeth behind it right because there's yeah. a Right, dedicated to it. And so I do think that's that it's important to continue to advocate not only for Black and Latinx, but all of the groups. And I think one way that you go about doing that is by understanding what is the makeup of the company. There are so many companies that don't invest resources into understanding self-ID information, Mm. right? It is completely voluntary. But even if we take the time to explain to employees of the company why we're collecting this information, of course, leaving it completely voluntary, right? I think it's important and understand why we're using the information. Because if we don't know who's a part of the company and how you identify, it is a little bit more challenging for us to create initiatives and programs, right, that will appeal to you or make you feel uh, included or make you feel considered um, even. And I think that's really really an important why, right? So if we're looking at attrition Mm -hmm. data, if we're looking at engagement data and we're not able to like understand, even if we're not taking the aggregate, right, we're not able to understand, right? We're not looking for just onesies and twosies, right? We're looking for a theme, we're looking for a pattern. And in in order for us to be able to use that, we need people to feel comfortable uh, and safe uh, with us leveraging this data to push these initiatives forward.
0: I love what you said about not the onesie twosies because that seems to be so much of what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's on the margins. Oh, that's, you know, that's just a blip in the data. Mm-hmm. That's that's data like that is information that you need to take into consideration. Um, and actually, that's probably the data that needs to be centered mm-hmm. in everything that you're doing. So, you know, I really appreciate that. The other thing I want to ask you. So, you know, you talked about these pro some of the programs having teeth and the data creating some of those teeth. Yeah. Um how, what else can organizations do to make this work sticky, right? Mm-hmm. Again, so programs, as you said, once, I, I love this time, you know, when it's early part of the year, because you have February Black History Month and you go into Women's History Month and it's like, okay, we're going to drop all the Black stuff and now we're going to focus on women. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you know that there are Black women? Like, yeah, there's a whole group of yeah. Black women. Um, and so how do you make this sticky so that it's not thematic Mm -hmm. And that it's not, um, again, this kind of cherry picking of, okay, we're going to focus here. We're going to focus here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's totally around programmatic efforts. I think it's leveraging employee resource group to help us understand the voice and what that particular population group community is looking for in terms of support. How do they want to show up, you know, in the company? How do they want to leverage leaders? What is their voice, right? What, you know, is their their charter, what's their purpose, their plan, and how can I, as a DI practitioner, how can I continue to help them, right, and move some of the red tape and the barriers, right, that may be impacting them from being able to accomplish their charter or their purpose. Um, I also think it's about understanding some of the themes that's happening in the organizations and potentially proposing um, programs. So one of the programs that we initially proposed and that was approved was to do a Women in Product Accelerator, right, at one of my previous companies. And the reason why is that when we looked at the makeup of the organization, there were over 50 percent women in the organization. However, when we started to look and, you know, really peel back the layers of the data, there wasn't very many in in leadership and in management. And so Mm -hmm. part of that was, what is the solution for us to uh, appeal um, and create a a space for women, you know, within within a product organization? And so for me, it was about, all right, there's a need here, right? Mm -hmm. There is also a gap in leadership and management, and we have such a huge population. Population of women in products, over 50% represented, in or what can I do to help connect the dots so that we yeah. can develop existing talent, right? And so that we can also prepare them for roles that might be coming available in the next couple of quarters, right? And how can we also put them in front of leaders? How can we invest in sponsorship opportunities for the women in the organization? How can we continue to invest uh, in their management skills and the development of those skills? Um, And so I think you make this work sticky by proposing programs like this that are maybe have specific needs to an organization. Sometimes it's not a one-size-fit-all, right? I think it's great when we're thinking about scale of DEI, yes, we definitely want to target get more, uh, you know, of a larger population. But I also think that making this work sticky and making the work um, appealing for specific audiences, sometimes I do think that we need to have specialized programs, especially if we're working towards Mm -hmm. a goal of diversity of management and leadership within a particular organization. Um, I think making this work sticky is, again, leveraging employee resource groups. I think it's understanding who the allies are and the champions are and, you know, continuing to meet with them and bringing them. Them into the line you know bringing them into the line of work right are we having you know book clubs are we you know doing um uh you know uh speaker programs right mm-hmm. around topics are we doing inclusion circles right and this and this just isn't reactive till when things go on in society there should be a cadence and a calendar of things that continue to show up right? How can we, and and I think that efforts get stale when they don't hear from us, right? When we continue to just, you know, do the same things we've always done around Affinity Moms, around, you know, Juneteenth is coming up, you know, all these, you know, different, you know, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, right? Like, efforts get stale when we continue to just spin our wheels in that direction. I think that we have to continuously invest in way, thinking about ways of, you know, how do we activate people outside of the box and outside what is considered the norm as part of our work. And I do think that sometimes we as even DEI practitioners get kind of stuck in that cycle. Um, I was just
0: going to say, you know, I Sometimes to say that.
1: Yes. Way down, you know, because this work is hard. And I think when you are trying to advance good trouble and when you are speaking up for things that you believe in, even against the wishes of people who might feel uncomfortable in this work, it can get tiring. Um, Mm -hmm. However, I do think that making the work sticky um, is, is really just about understanding who's at the table with you understanding making sure that you're well-versed in the data. And then also, just like you said, how can
0: we, you know, put these vegetables,
1: you know, in there. And, and Make them in there.
0: Them in there. Yeah. You know, so it's something you said that I I, I want to go back to because I think it's so important. And I, I say this, um, I've said it in several other episodes, is you know, tying the programs to problems in the organization, mm-hmm. right? So rather than measuring, oh, we've had X number of programs, I don't care how many programs you've had, what has been the impact, mm-hmm. right? How have you solved the problem mm-hmm. that the program was created to solve, right? So if you're saying, you know, okay, 50% of the these women are in this, this organization, but they're not moving up the ranks, let's create a leadership development program. And I love how you said, you know, is it tied to promotion? Because I'm saying this needs to be tied to your succession planning. Mm -hmm. This needs to be tied to, okay, what are the skills that need to be, you know, gained? What are they missing in this process of getting promoted, right? Even if it's to a people manager or people leader, what does that look like? And so how do you then create a program that allows you to solve the problem that the program was created to solve, not just say, oh, yeah, we have this leadership women's group, right? Right? Great. That's wonderful. But what problem are you solving? Because Mm -hmm. there should be some metrics that say by the end of X time period, this is the number of people, the number of women that have gone through the program, the number that have been promoted, the Mm -hmm. number that are now, you know, all of that. And so I, I appreciate you saying that because I think that's one of the places where organizations truly do fall short. They mm-hmm. check the box on the program, but don't tie it into the system, mm-hmm. right? To dismantle right. that system and again get in—that's right. good trouble, right? Uh, we're disrupting the status quo that we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. No, we don't always have to do it this way. So I appreciate you you using that as an example because that is exactly where I think we need to push and you know I was going to ask you you know what are some ways that people can continue to be in good trouble and that's a great example it's creating programs and in creating opportunities changing policies yeah. and procedures that are hindering inclusion
1: yes 100% I also think it's about accountability right and no that's one of my favorite words <laughs> Promotions. when we talk about attrition and when we talk about, you know, hiring rates and who's getting through the funnel, who's actually being hired, Um, I think part of it is, you know, what is our plan, right? Like what, you know, and I know DEI goals is, you know, kind of like, you know, a myth or unspoken thing that you shouldn't really say, but what are, are, you know, our three-year aspirational goals? What do we aspire to look like one day, right? And, you know, are we moving the needle around underrepresented talent? Um, Are we moving the needle around you know promotion and you know engagement, developing, you know, belonging. Like how are we going to measure our progress, right? If we don't have set targets or aspirations. And I think part of that is when we go in these rooms, when we're going into our quarterly business reviews, when we're talking about the engagement surveys and that data and making meaning of it and telling the story and the narrative behind it, the only way we're gonna be accountable is if we do set, you know, three year targets that what do we wanna look like in the future. There are companies making statements that by 2020, by 2030, you know, we're gonna be, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? Listen.
0: I ain't naming no names. <laughs> I know. And I'm not going to say if I worked at this place or not, (laughs) but when you say you're going to increase your executive leadership by 100% and I'm like, you ain't got but one, (laughs) right? So (laughs) yeah, yeah, let's let's be honest about what we're really trying to do and accomplish. Exactly. And what you said about, you know, oh, we don't create these diversity goals that that. I think that's a cop-out, honestly. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that that is a way to get around it. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that every department needs to have a diversity goal that is not, not tied to butts and seats. I agree. How I agree. are you impacting the bottom line, your customers? How are you reaching out in the community? Mm-hmm. All of these things, it's part of the company DNA. It should yeah. not be the responsibility of the one person on this leading DEI with no budget and no staff.
1: 100%. And I think that DEI inclusion work also has to be considered as part of the values. When you talk about culture work, like the DNA of the company is the values. It's the the norms, it's the behavior that's associated with how we show up at fill in the blank, X, Y, Z, whatever company you work at, right? And I think part of that Mm -hmm. has to be considered in that culture, right? And the values, right? right? And if you don't have a value, right? Or norms associated with inclusion, allyship, belonging work, then how are we even going to shape our culture Right. And how are we going to advance the work of DEI and get into good trouble if we're not even setting up ourselves for success in that area? I think that's so important.
0: Yes, because the child don't get me started, because I'm like, that's where accountability really starts. Mm -hmm. Right. How is it tied to your goals as an individual, as a leader? Mm -hmm. Right. How is this tied into the value system? And then how are you compensated for that? (laughs) Oh, Now, that's now that's
1: a conversation
0: rules okay i'm like if you ain't hitting your goals (laughs) you ain't getting no money that's that's
1: now that now that's the stuff that companies don't want to talk about you know it's not at all you know it's been you know know, said on linkedin here and there said in a workshop there but no no i i don't see any leaders i will continue to stir that pot
0: yes i will continue to stir that pot Yes. Well, so Danny, that. how in doing all of this and getting in trouble, because, you know, that takes work. Uh, it takes work to get in good trouble and stay out of bad trouble. <laughs> it's are, like double dutch some days. <laughs> there, you're right. You're right. Am I going to jump in today? Okay. It's like playing double dutch. Oh, Lordy. So what do you do to take care of yourself? Like, how do you fill your cup and, and continue to stay on this path?
1: Yeah. I think that's such a great question. Um, I have an entire wellness routine. Mm. I, um, I go to acupuncture.
0: <laughs>
1: I uh, go to the chiropractor religiously. Um, mm. I work out. Um, And sometimes I think, too, working from home, like there's so much tax that's associated with working from home. And what has helped me to, like, pry my fingers off of my laptop is going to work out a couple of days a week. And that just helps me keep my mind, my mind runs so fast. It helps me to just slow down and just say, hey, let's separate your work, right? This is after five, right? And let's do something else, right? And so I think for me, uh, it just has helped me because sitting at home in front of the laptop, you go downstairs to the kitchen, you eat, you come back up to the laptop. And so it has truly helped me. I also have a therapist. Um, I have a therapist that I continue to meet with on a regular basis, sometimes every two weeks, sometimes once a month. um, And that has truly helped me to be able to like just unpack all of things that, Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, in my head, um, I just ordered myself a Peloton. Um so I am not shy about investing in my health. Um no. uh, I think health is wealth. Um and so uh I feel like for me this is how I continue I don't think that we can pour from an empty cup. Um and so I think for me it's some, this is how I replenish my cup. Um this is how I continue to invest in myself. First, mm-hmm. you know, you know, on the airplane they tell you put your mask on first. Yes. And then You know, and so for me, this is how I continue to put my mask on first, is by having a health and wellness routine. This is how I invest back into myself.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually just started a, well, for what, four or five years, I've been doing like a women's weight training class. Mm -hmm. And I love it because one, is just community, but two, exactly what you said, it's after five, I, I shut down work, Right. And it's just, okay, I'm here, we're in community and I'm working on, you know, building strength. And then recently I've started a 7 a.m. tone and sculpt class, which I'm not a morning person. But (laughs) by the time I get up and I mean like the the birds aren't even up at that (laughs) point, I get up. It's this class. I mean, it's it's a 7 a.m. class, but it is... I leave it and I'm just like, wow, okay, that was a great yes. workout. Yes. I can go home, I can shower and I can start my, like, I start my day just so yeah. energized. Yeah. Yeah. And then I sleep well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so tired.
1: That's what they say about working out in the morning. Like it gives you, yeah. energy. like you like get on the cadence of like going to bed a little bit earlier, waking up early and it just feels easier the next time that you do it. Yeah. Working out in the morning is the best.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm going to try to keep telling myself that. (laughs) If people wanted to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Please, please, please check out my website. It's
1: www.thrivelimitlessly.com. You can find me across social media, um, on Instagram at Thrive Limitlessly LLC on both Facebook, Instagram, um, as well as LinkedIn.
0: Wonderful. Danny, thank you so much for having this conversation about getting into good trouble because that is just, ooh, that that is my mantra in life. I love it. I love it. So thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone, thank you all for being a part of this conversation. I hope you were able to walk away with a few nuggets um, and get into good trouble because we all need to get into good trouble in order for this work to continue to move forward. So follow us, like this, Uh, Follow us here, right here on um, YouTube or wherever you find your podcast and like, share, subscribe. Until next time, have a good one.